Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast, a modern podcast for the modern society. This show looks at cultural topics from the lens of an African-American male living in the nation as a natural-born citizen, where education, headline news, human rights, politics, and the American diaspora ultimately impact our local and national communities. The premise of this show is to inform and transform our worldview and empower those who are marginalized and oppressed due to the American hierarchy of importance. Nothing is off limits because this nonpartisan program will speak truth to power instead of being politically correct or following a popular narrative. So, if you're ready for what's about to be served, let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast. I'm your gracious host, Maurice Bowers, and I thank you for tuning in to episode two, Civics, Not the Honda Model. If you're a first-time visitor, I greet you with a warm welcome and ask that you go back and check out our program trailer, if you haven't already done so. That way you'll have an idea of what's to come from this program and even learn a little bit about me. Then come back and make yourself comfortable. Now, if you've come into the room before, I say welcome back, and I'm glad that you're here. Before we get into the main course, I will offer my listener discretion statement. This podcast isn't for the faint at heart or those with an agenda to argue what's being shared isn't true or fake news. This conversation is going to happen whether you like it or not. It's okay if you become uncomfortable with what you consume. Try listening with an open mind. It won't be as bad as you think. The content you receive today is rich in research, meaning I'm sharing facts, not baseless commentary. Let me be more than clear that I have not earned a doctorate of philosophy. I'm not a psychologist nor a therapist of any kind. As such, I will be sharing my critiques and opinions based on my undergraduate education, along with my own perspective relating to the topic. All right, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, today's episode is about voting and the election process. Those of us eligible to vote have a responsibility to engage in the process afforded to us by way of this nation's Bill of Rights. I'm going to try my best to stay away from this current election cycle in terms of the presidency, but I'll touch lightly on the importance of the upcoming general election. Some of what you hear today may have been taught to you in other settings, or you've come to experience it for yourself. But I can assure you that I'm going to cover some things that haven't been considered or shared before as it relates to our votes and the influence our votes make in our community settings. I'll also provide you with information on how to register to vote if you're a first-time voter or haven't voted in quite some time. And for those already registered to vote, I'll provide information on how to check your voter registration status during my wrap-up known as Maurice's Mashup. I welcome you into my virtual home, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. Come have a seat at the table, and let's get into this episode. If I had to give this segment a title, it would probably be Why Voting Matters. Every two to four years, our TVs and radios become full of campaign ads for a certain office or measures that will be on an upcoming elections ballot. You'll see billboards either in your city or along the freeways. Even our internet searches have some type of voting ad attached to them. It's like you can't get away from it no matter where you go or what you do. 
in one aspect, it's a creative marketing strategy to make you pay attention to what's going on around you. Instead of laws or changes being made within your jurisdiction without your consent, there's a white flag being waved so that you get the important detail right then, but you can look at the supporting details when you get home. Many of us live in neighborhoods where our children attend schools, participate in community programs, or even hang out at the local park with their friends. For us adults, we tend to see changes like new homes, shopping centers, and even commercial buildings that serve some local small businesses as well as large corporations. But none of that happens without community involvement and measures passed by local voters. Whether you attend bi-weekly or monthly meetings for your local school district or your city council, or you write or call your local representatives, your voice matters in shaping the way your community looks and thrives. When you choose to be silent about things negatively impacting your surroundings, then you start to notice a change taking place and want an immediate resolution, not now, but right now. Unfortunately, that's not how things work. Even if you think bombarding them with emails and phone calls as one person will do the trick. If you belong to some type of community forum, such as an online or in-person setting, you need to share with others the things you see so that the others can feel comfortable to have the conversation about what's going on, or in some cases, what's not happening. Many of those who listen to this podcast are taxpayers, meaning you are employed by a corporation or respective entity that itemizes deductions such as federal withholding, state tax, if your state participates in that program, Medicare, FICA, which stands for Federal Insurance Contribution Act, or OASDI, standing for Old Age Survivor and Disability Insurance, and relative health benefits. Your voice matters when it comes to the community you live in and spend your hard-earned money with local small businesses and partner stores. What do I mean by your voice matters? Let's get into some of the areas that are vitally important if you rent or own your home. In either case, there are programs and or services that you utilize or you pay for so that the community can benefit from. This breaks down into categories like emergency services, such as police and fire departments, the city clerk's office, which provides access to city records, the ability to obtain a passport or even notary services, as well as community development consisting of building and safety, planning, business licensing, economic development, and housing. The reason I outline these categories is because your tax dollars fund the existence of these departments. Your tax dollars pay for the least of our community services up to your city officials, such as the mayor, city manager, and treasurer, the staffing for these departments, as well as improvement and maintenance of city infrastructure, like our street and water services, city landscaping, and even local TV programming. For those of us with children, you fund the schools that already exist, as well as the new ones built to meet the growing demand within your neighborhood. That new shopping center that you patronize? Yep, you guessed it, your tax dollars. Community festivals during the holidays and seasonal fairs? Another source your tax dollars support.
We often take for granted the things we have within our neighborhoods with little to no thought being given beyond when we move in. The newness of everything essentially wears off in roughly a month and we go about our daily lives until we experience something that will leave us uncomfortable and unsettled. Whether it's crime or the impact of pollution, we begin doing our research to find the responsible parties to contact. A lot of these elements show up on our ballots and instead of participating in our democratic process, we either choose not to register to vote or we don't vote when the materials are sent to us. The seriousness of it all rests on all of us to do our individual part in choosing what we want for our communities. If there are policies we want reformed, there's usually a measure on the ballot for that. If you don't want your taxes to go up for the purpose of sharing the expense with a newly orchestrated program or service, you have to choose no and send your ballot in. If there's an individual that you feel isn't serving well on a particular board, such as education, water, or even city council, then you vote them out by choosing someone else ready to tackle the issues that matter most to you. Instead of being in a community setting, rallying with others for change, you get to use your voice by selecting the things or people who closely represent your interests and do what's best for the citizens at large. One of the main reasons that your vote matters is voter suppression. Former Army Captain turned technologist Jovan Scott did a TED talk on the subject where he outlined the beginnings of dirty politics. Before the 20th century, there were 20 black men who served in Congress and two in the United States Senate before voter suppression reduced our ability to get elected officials in office, removing our voice from government and leading to decades of systemic and legalized oppression. Now you would think with the existence of the Voting Rights Act that voter suppression wouldn't even be a thing in modern day America. However, the voting system seems to have returned to a broken state of existence and only for the majority that makes up this nation. Reverend Jesse Jackson and David Daly teamed up on an op-ed published in Time Magazine concerning the obstacles and tactics being used in our current election cycle to discourage minorities from letting their voices be heard at the polls. Our system has buckled under the weight of repressive voter ID laws, toxic partisan and racial gerrymandering, voter roll purges, and precinct closures that disproportionately target minority voters. The intentional elimination of Sunday early voting days when black voters are most likely to head to the polls even affects nationwide to criminalize voter registration drives. The Electoral College has overruled the will of the people in two of the last five presidential elections. The structural imbalance of the U.S. Senate, combined with the filibuster, gives white rural states virtual veto power over change that many Americans desire and demand. Indeed, many of the cities and states where police injustice and systemic racism runs deepest have been at the forefront of these aggressive voter suppression techniques. What fails to be understood is that voter suppression is a crime. Even if responsible parties come up with calculated ways to protect themselves by using the guise, I didn't know. What you do know is that there's legislation that was passed more than 50 years ago in terms of voting equality. 
An example to offer is that of John Nichols of the online magazine, The Nation, who wrote an article about Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel and her efforts in preventing such efforts that increases fear among voters and encourages them to vote a particular way. Last week, the Attorney General charged a pair of prominent political operatives for allegedly attempting to discourage voters from participating in the November election by creating and funding a voter suppression scheme targeted at Detroit and other areas with substantial African-American populations. As part of the scheme, recorded robocalls amplified the current president's lies about voting by mail, with the warning to voters and potential voters about being finessed into giving your private information to the man and urging them to beware of vote by mail. The caller who claims to be associated with an organization founded by Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall falsely tells people that mail-in voting in particular will allow personal information to become part of a special database used by police to track down old warrants and by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. The caller also deceptively claims the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will use the information to track people for mandatory vaccines. However, none of that is true. It's one thing to talk about what someone, a small team, or even a large group of people are doing to hinder the votes of tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of a given area, but it's an entirely different thing to act on it. Michigan Attorney General Nessel is serious about those swift and severe consequences. Both Berkman and Wall have each been charged with one count of violating election law, intimidating voters, a five-year felony, one count of conspiracy to commit an election law violation, a five-year felony, one count of using a computer to commit the crime of election law, intimidating voters, a seven-year felony, and using a computer to commit the crime of conspiracy, a seven-year felony. Now, as I sit back and consider these actions on the part of those who delight in rigging an election for a favorable outcome of their interest alone, I would hope that somewhere there's a protection to prevent the fraudulent actions of those conspiring against democracy. Nope. And why, you might ask? Well, that's because the current U.S. Attorney General, William Barr, is in cahoots with the current occupant of the presidency and has been considered as the most powerful ally in undermining the election. Online magazine The Guardian went on record as saying the U.S. Attorney General has not only embraced the president's false claims, he's also spread misinformation of his own. A strong claim to make against the nation's top cop, but one that is not false. He is one of many who have shared in the rhetoric that there would be voter fraud if citizens participated in the vote by mail process, a process which I participated in for several elections and my vote was counted each time. To give light to why I choose to vote by mail, I work the elections and during the course of election day, I don't have the ability to vote at a polling place. Instead, I sign the back of the envelope des designating my father as the authorized return agent. So when he goes to vote, he can drop it in the box for me. This year, I chose to participate in early voting, which began on October 5th, and I dropped it in the box myself. 
The process of voting by mail is one that offers convenience for those who have challenges getting to the polls on election day, especially those who are disabled and incapable of getting out of their homes. It's very simple for any person to request their ballot by mail, whether it be for one election or if you prefer that be your main method of participation. When you receive your voter information guide in the mail, on the back is usually a tear-off card that gives you two options. You select one, sign the card, and drop it in the mail. Your local Registrar of Voters office will receive the card and process it accordingly, with you receiving your ballot usually within one week. Once received, you have the luxury of taking your time and doing your own research on the measures on your ballot, as well as those who are running for a particular office. Once you've completed your ballot, you seal your ballot in the given envelope, place it inside of a second envelope that has a declaration of voters disclosure on it. Once you've read and understood the disclosure, you sign, date it, and you can return it in one of several ways by mail to your local registrar of voters office. If your city or county participates in drop-off locations, you can drop your ballot in the ballot box at that designated location. You can wait until election day and drop it in the ballot box at your local precinct, or you can have someone drop it off for you either at your local precinct, the secondary designated drop-off location, or the registrar of voters office. It's safe, secure, and easy to do just like visiting your local precinct on election day. Whether you vote early or on election day, you still have the ability to track your ballot by visiting your local Registrar of Voters website and entering in your information. If you're checking your status, excuse me, your status after voting on election day, you may have to wait up to 72 hours for your tracking information to be updated, given the amount of ballots turned in that evening. If you vote early at your local Registrar of Voters office, you should be able to track your ballot within 24 to 48 hours, depending on how impacted they are with voters. If you return your ballot by mail, your tracking information should be updated within 72 to 96 hours, depending on your proximity to the office as well as postal handling. If you drop your ballot off at a secondary location within your community, my recommendation would be to allow a week to pass before tracking since they retrieve those ballots every few days, except for election day when everything is collected at the close of the day. So with that, I think this is a perfect opportunity to take a break. When we come back, I'll talk about the importance of the upcoming general election and how your vote impacts the decisions relating to the nation's future, as well as the individual states and local regions. You're tuned in to the Let's Talk About It podcast. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to episode two of the Let's Talk About It podcast. The importance of this upcoming election, also known as the general election, is based on many factors. Issues like healthcare, climate change, employment, the economy, pandemic relief, and even international relations are at the forefront of this cycle. And it's important that whoever assumes the role of president is ready to take on each issue to positively impact our nation. But one particular area that has been the biggest talking point is taxes, primarily because the commander in tweets hasn't paid taxes for 10 of the past 15 years. 
and he only paid $750 for years 2016 and 2017. Now, the importance of highlighting his tax evasion methods is that he delights himself in the loopholes designed for those who have expenses that can be claimed as losses or gains, something he proudly shared in last week's presidential debate. This becomes an issue as many American households struggle to make ends meet after many deductions are taken from their paychecks. When tax season arrives, many families dread having to file their taxes because they anticipate owing the IRS any amount of money that could be used wisely in other areas. So it comes as no surprise that many Americans are critical of 45 for avoiding to pay his fair share. Per the IRS, federal income taxes are used to provide for national programs such as national defense, veterans and foreign affairs, social programs, physical, human, and community development, law enforcement, and interest on the national debt. As someone who maintains a significant amount of wealth, he could aid in the process of funding national programs and help to reduce the nation's debt. If only he did his part like the rest of us who are gainfully employed or own businesses of our own. Instead, huge losses were claimed on the businesses he owns and runs, wiping out tax bills on hundreds of millions of dollars in celebrity income. If you haven't been living under a rock over the past three years, you've likely noticed a change in our environment. This is the result of the U.S. exiting the 2015 Paris Agreement that we were in with other nations around the world to reduce greenhouse emissions and other pollutants. This is also the result of the current White House occupant who felt it necessary to align with his America's First Initiative, a foreign policy stance that emphasizes isolationism. This action was done to prevent the U.S. from providing $3 billion in financial aid to the Green Climate Fund, which would assist climate change researchers, as well as affect the price of carbon and allow for either China or the European Union to become a dominating force. As such, this has also impacted our country's relationship with foreign powers, even though it's often made to look like we're in right fellowship with everyone. Healthcare has been another important topic, especially during this age of COVID. Before this pandemic, there were works to in play to dismantle and replace the Affordable Care Act with a quote unquote better option for the American people. Yet a plan has never been seen. And whenever someone asks about it, the response is that the current administration is working hard to give the American people better health care at more affordable prices. The truth of the matter is the current administration is essentially working hard to undo any form of legislation enacted during the presidency of Barack Obama. Under the Affordable Care Act, otherwise dubbed Obamacare, affordable health insurance has been made available to more people. The law provides consumers with subsidies, also known as premium tax credits, that lowers costs for households with incomes between 100% and 400% of the federal poverty level. The Medicaid program was expanded to cover all adults with income below 138% of the federal poverty level. Not all states have expanded their Medicaid programs, however. Finally, innovative medical care support for delivery methods designed to lower the cost of healthcare in general. 
to earn brownie points, 45 signed a series of executive orders aimed at protecting people with pre-existing conditions, as well as looking at a way to prevent surprise medical bills in September of this year. What's funny is that the existing Affordable Care Act already has a provision that prevents insurers from discriminating against Americans with pre-existing medical conditions. This being done as his administration continues to fight to repeal the Affordable Care Act so that he could introduce America's first health care plan. If you noticed, the America's first policy, now the America's first health care plan, okay, which is the same plan we already have in place, just with a new name placed on it. Speaking of the pandemic, the same individual that didn't feel the need to wear a mask at all times contracted coronavirus just last week, amid other White House staffers and legislators who've worked closely with him. Now, I'm not here to take joy in anyone catching what I call the plague, but the seriousness of this virus has been held in the balance while he knew how bad things could have and have gotten because he didn't want to create a panic, as he mentioned in a March interview. I legitimately hope that he takes his health seriously so that he doesn't become a casualty like the other 212,000 plus people in the United States. The respiratory distress witnessed upon his return to the White House after he removed his mask is a clear sign that the coronavirus is not done with him yet, and he needs to rest and take the prescribed medications as directed. When it comes to the nation's economy, the unemployment rate as of three days ago is at 7.9%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, a stark contrast to the 4.1% that was maintained by the Obama administration. To understand that we're in a better place than when the pandemic first shut our nation down, we peaked at an unemployment rate of 14.7%. So yes, we are indeed rebounding and providing jobs, but we aren't in the clear for many households still struggling to maintain due to no fault of their own. Our economic growth in terms of the stock market, which consistently grew over the course of eight years, was transferred from the Obama administration to the current one, which had steady growth initially, but plummeted sharply in 2019 as well as 2020 due to coronavirus, of course. What's recognized about who is currently in power is that he's worried about his ego and image much more than he is about the country and its citizens. What is important to understand is you have to look at the character of the current leader and you have to assess whether or not such character represents all citizens of this nation in a positive manner. Not just him though, the senators and house representatives who represent us locally on Capitol Hill they need to be considered when it comes to this election season as well. If you believe that those in power aren't doing their part to form a more equitable union for our current generation, as well as our future, vote them out by selecting a candidate that closely aligns with your views. Mayors, assembly members, governors, attorney generals, judges, board supervisors, it doesn't matter who they are make sure they do the work expected of them and that they do it in a fair and balanced manner for everyone, not just some. Sharing a bit of myself, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a recurrent employee for the Election Operations Division of a Southern California county. 
the department is broken up into various groups and I work in the logistics group, which can have me anywhere within a 4,000 mile radius, servicing more than 500 political districts and over 4 million registered voters. Prior to election day, we have an established weekend where we do what's called inspector supply pickup, a day where we're at a lo central location from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and the polling precinct inspectors come and collect the equipment as well as related supplies necessary to run a polling precinct without a hitch. The inspectors receive communication about a week or so before ISPU weekend, outlining either Saturday or Sunday to go and retrieve their materials from our 26-foot trucks. Otherwise, they'll have to pick everything up from the ROV office during normal operating hours. Mind you, our call time for work is at 4 a.m. both Saturday and Sundays, and our days end about 8 p.m. Election day itself is a full swing operation that is broken up into two shifts. The morning crew, which consists of regional distribution center drivers, and I'm part of that crew, we come in at 4 a.m. And the evening crew, which is everyone else, the loading assistants and the truck drivers who come in at 3 p.m. The morning crew comes in and we're centrally located near many polling precincts so that if any malfunctions with their equipment should take place or they roll, run low on supplies, we're able to you know, give them what they need by them coming and meeting us. We don't go anywhere, we stay put. So we do an exchange of equipment or give them the additional supplies they need and they sign off for them so that we have a record of what transpired. Now the evening crew, they're the ones responsible for receiving the equipment back from the polling centers as well as ballots beginning at about 8.30 p.m. However, the ballots are gathered into a locking zippered bag and picked up on a rotation about every hour by the county sheriffs and returned directly to the Registrar Voters Office while the evening crew continues to receive the equipment. Once the last polling center arrives to turn in their equipment and ballots, the equipment is loaded onto the truck and the last ballots are placed into the locking bag and handed over to the waiting sheriff for delivery to the ROV office. However, our operations don't wrap up until about 4 a.m. or later, meaning election day for some of us is over 24 hours and for others over 12 hours. Giving that breakdown, I say that to say that we what we do in terms of election operations is vitally important to the democratic process, which means your vote is equally as important, if not more. We're going to take one final break and then return with Maurice's mashup before closing out this episode. Pumpkin spice and everything nice is the fall theme for Miss Nikki's delights. Miss Nikki is a certified chef having a Bachelor of Science in Culinary Arts as well as an Associate of Science in Baking and Pastry Arts from Johnson & Wells University. This master chef is selling fall treat boxes, which consist of three sweet potato cheesecake jars, pumpkin seed brittle, one 4x4 sweet potato cream cheese brownie, one pumpkin whoopie pie, and three chocolate chip pumpkin cookies. All of these goodies can be yours, with shipping included, for $45 if you order by October 17th. To order, 
call 760-686-9857 or you can email your orders to Delights at gmail.com being spelled M-S-N-I-K-K-I-S-D-E-E-L-I-G-H-T-S at gmail.com. Fall treat boxes are for a limited time, so make sure to place your order soon. I promise you that I tried to stay away from getting into the special areas of the presidency, but I'm glad that I was able to share some things that need to be considered as it relates to November 3rd, 2020. As I mentioned in the last segment, make sure that you vote out those who aren't serving you or your community well. Many people get into politics with the right intentions and aren't able to deliver as they promised during their campaigns. And that isn't to say that they didn't try. Some people are natural leaders and have a way of networking properly to execute plans that provide results. Others come into the fold and learn the job, but miss the mark in achieving results that are sought after by those who voted them into office. So please, whatever you do, whether you vote by mail, drop your ballot off at a secondary location, or turn it into your local registrar or voter's office, make sure you vote like your life depends on it, because it actually does. At the top of this episode, I said that I will provide you with information on how to register to vote if you're a first-time voter or haven't voted in quite some time. And for those already registered to vote, I'd provide information on how to check your voter registration status. So let's get into it. For first-time voters or those who have been possibly purged from the voter rolls, you can do a Google search to see the voter registration deadline for your state. Here in California, the deadline in person or by mail is October 19th. For those mailing in their voter registration form, it must be postmarked no later than October 19th to be considered for this election. This ensures timely processing by your local registrar or voter's office and mailing of your voter registration card to your residence or mailing address for your reference. For those who are registered to vote, you can check your status by going to www.iwillvote.com. Once there, you'll see a section titled, Let's Vote. From there, choose the state you reside in and you will have four options immediately available to you. Check if I'm registered to vote, register to vote, vote by mail, and vote in person. At the bottom, there's a section called Own Your Vote where you can learn more about voting. If you have questions about voting, you can call the voter hotline at one 833-336-8683. And for those who would prefer a Spanish speaker, you can call 1-866-296-8686. Another source that you can use is visiting the website of the Secretary of State of your state, as they are the ones responsible for making government more transparent and accessible in the areas of elections, business, political campaigning, legislative advocacy, and historical treasures. All right, everybody, we've come to the close of episode two of the Let's Talk About It podcast. 
I thank you for listening to the sociological perspective of our civic responsibility from the mouth of an African-American man. The election process is not a one-size-fits-all matter or established for one demographic. Your vote acts as your voice. Whether you're listening to this broadcast from your computer, cell phone, tablet, or as part of your commute, your support of this broadcast is not taken lightly, and we greatly appreciate it. If it's not too much trouble, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and even drop a review. A five-star rating will help to get this show off the ground and among more listeners. In case you aren't familiar with the subscription process, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, there will be an option to follow or subscribe. Click the button, you're good to go. Hopefully something was said today that connected with you or at least provided you with an alternative viewpoint concerning voting. Once again, thank you for coming into the room of the Let's Talk About It podcast, and I look forward to sitting down with you at the table again soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast. We hope something that was said was both informative and transformative in terms of your place in the world and how various systems impact you. One person cannot change everything that's wrong, but one person can begin the process of creating positive change. New episodes of the podcast will be available on Thursdays via your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or other available networks, so be sure to spread the word about this show. If you have any comments relating to this episode, or suggestions for future episodes, you can submit those by email to talkaboutitpod at iName.com. You can also connect with the show on any of our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook as the Let's Talk About It podcast, or you can reach our host directly via Instagram or Twitter with the handle at Maurice B, as in boy, 8703. Make sure if you do nothing else, be kind, stay humble, and work hard in all that you do. Until next episode, may love, peace, and blessings rest upon you.